music discussions too. Let's all shout down on the sweet roll. This is the sweet roll. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jody. Gamescom happened this week. We have a ton of news for you that's really exciting. First off, we have the Time article that everyone is talking about with the front cover about VR. Next, we have Blizzard releasing a ton of news about Heroes of the Storm and its new expansion, uh, Legion, but from World of Warcraft. And last, we have a little tidbit about you from Steam and uh, scanning the opportunities. So first off, let's talk about the time front cover. You saw the one, right, with the guy who was in front of a beach and he was like leaping and there have been tons and tons of memes about it on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. Well, the guy on the front cover was VR headset Oculus Rift creator Palmer Lucky and they had an interview with him uh, as the cover story of Time Magazine for August 6th. So they interviewed him and talked about the joys of VR gaming and how it is the future. But people saw the front cover of the magazine and were really off-put by how it portrayed gamers. Of course, the media is pretty infamous for not really portraying gamers in the most positive light. So publications like PC Gamer were really, really upset, saying that uh, Time was portraying gamers poorly and it was another just big down-put for, for the gaming community and how we're always just not given the large end of the stick. So then memes were circulating of him as a ballerina and as a character in Titanic being held by Leo DiCaprio and stuff like that. Well, finally, Lucky came out at Gamescom and gave his opinion of it. He says he actually likes the cover and says, quote, Are you really giving that much importance to an old media cover? I'm prone to agree with Lucky. Time Magazine is not aimed at the gamer population. It's aimed at people probably older who still read magazines, who are really into time and the tradition that it upholds. So I think it's introducing those people to virtual reality in a way that we don't need to be introduced. And it's introducing it to them in a positive light. Sure, it shows that time is out of touch with what we're into and what we think and how we experience VR, but I think it's doing an important job in introducing VR to a whole group of people who might not already experience it. So yeah, it's a cheesy cover, but if Palmer Lucky doesn't feel himself embarrassed by it, then I don't know why we should be making a big deal out of it. Absolutely. And I think the cover is designed and the magazine appeals to a general audience. And if you're talking about VR, gamers, we already know all of the cool things happening in VR, but the people that don't know anything about it need some kind of introduction. And the article is really good if you read it. It has a great introduction to VR and it shows the, the good things about VR. And even though the cover might be like fantastical, I mean, it, it appeals to a broader audience. And I think that if Palmer doesn't have a problem with it, then why should we? Further, Palmer is a 22-year-old and an inventor and a businessman. Aware 22 also. And I think that it's really important for people our age to not have pride, to feel okay with being weird and funky and being goofballs. And so, yeah, if he looks like a dork, BFD, we're dorks too. We're on camera in front of you right now. And I think that a lot of us need to just be okay with being dorks and own dorkiness into our identity as gamers. We're wearing a Pusheen shirt and a and a Fi Fi Dragon shirt. Like, come on, let's just embrace our dorkiness and be okay with it. Yeah, and even Time even agrees with that point. Time even said in their article that they introduced nerds several times, and nerd is a good thing. They're saying nerds are really successful. They have businesses and make a ton of money, and they they're really successful. And they make nerds in a very positive way. I think that's great. We've been nerds since middle school, like claiming and owning that identity. Let's all do it. Let's be cool with it. Yeah. Next up in news three, we have Heroes of the Storm from Blizzard at Gamescom. 
They come with a new map called Infernal Shrines. It's a new Diablo-themed map that instead of having fighting for immortals like you have in the last Diablo-themed map, you're fighting over control points and shrines. And at the end of the shrine control, you have some of this giant demon that help you push enemy lanes and kill enemies. And it's actually really cool. Uh, the next thing they have for you is that they have five new characters on the list. Now, three of them are, are only released at Gamescom, and they're becoming soon. But they also released two others that are in the works. Uh, the first one is the StarCraft II Medic. Uh, it is a shielded, kind of tanky support character that'll be for the StarCraft universe. And next we have the Artanis character, which is the Praetor, the, the great leader of the Protoss in StarCraft II. So he's going to be like a tanky warrior type of StarCraft. And everyone got really upset when they announced that Artanis is going to be a tanky character and that they did not announce uh, Phoenix as the tanky character, because Phoenix was the Praetor in StarCraft I, the great hero that sacrificed himself. And everyone was really upset that that didn't happen. Well, then Blizzard came out last week and right now is that, yes, we are working on Phoenix. But we didn't uh, release him right away because he has death mechanics because he turned into a dragoon and came back to life in the storyline. A lot like Leoric and be able to come back from the death. And that's too similar to a character they just released. So they're going to stagger it off a bit and they're going to release Artanis. So Phoenix is also in the works. And so that's going to be really cool. Uh, the next one is Rexar, the great hunter that's here the Savior of Orgrimmar and the Hero of the Horde. So he is really important in the storyline and had a really key point in it. And I think it's going to be really cool to have like an actual hunter-type ranged character. I guess they have a ton of those for the Warcraft universe, but he is coming to the storm. Um, lastly, uh, Kazrim, the monk from Diablo 3, will be a support, Diablo's first support character for the game. And I think it's going to be really cool. I love playing monks in Diablo 3. I think it's going to be really fun to see him on Hero of the Storm. Uh, it's just going to be really cool to have that kind of uh, monk support. It's going to be neat. Absolutely. And I hope they like delve into back Diablo games. Like having the Necromancer be a character, that'd be really cool. Um, just other Diablo 2 characters. Uh, next up, they expressed concern that Heroes of the Storm is really hard to enter because having nine now different maps that you have to memorize and learn is mechanically difficult and that new players aren't are turned off to the gameplay. Well, they announced at Gamescom that that you they're going to have a rotation of maps, so you're going to have to play a subset of maps rather than every single one when you go to matchmaking. And that subset is going to rotate over time, so you have seasons like you have in StarCraft 2. So you have a, a pool of ladder maps that eventually get cycled out and back in as time goes on. I think that's a brilliant idea, because I know... While I like the variety of having a bunch of maps, it's really good to just be focusing on being better at the game, which is what Heroes of the Storm is all about, any MOBA for that matter. And then it's just really easy to say, I'm going to play these maps and get really good at that, and then next league is going to mix it up, and I'm going to be better then as well. So instead of having like an overwhelming rush of, oh crap, I have to learn everything, it kind of takes you at a slower pace, and it kind of, as you progress as a player, you're also learning different maps and kind of continuous growth rather than overwhelming learning. Absolutely. And I think it's, kind of, it's a great idea for Blizzard. And it's great that they're listening to their fan base uh, making this new mode. Uh, next up is they're removing Team League altogether. So remember that you have, you're able to queue up as a, a five-man team or have up to seven players in your team and be able to rotate between them and queue up for five-mans. No longer do that, but it's going to be very similar. Uh, they're going to have a, a hero league that is just like single YOLO queue, uh, but instead of being able to queue with uh, one to four people, you'll be able to queue with five people, and it'll match other five pre-made teams with other five pre-made teams, and so it'll take that like perfected being better than everyone into a different league of its own. But they will still have like the one to four players hero league where you can have anywhere between one to four players in your hero league and uh, queue up for a match and 
you won't be queued up with against a five pre-made and just get stomped. So that's really good. I think that's that's good to diversify the two communities. Uh, you can be able to play ranked regardless of what kind of friends you have or how you feel like to play with. I think that's a really good idea. Uh, next up is ranked. Now, remember how you had to start at level 50 and work your way all the way up to level 1? Well, they're removing a that having to grind that. So they're adding placement matches like they do in League of Legends, like they do in StarCraft 2 for ranked play, and it's going to be a lot of matches. So you have 20 to 25 matches to get ranked, and that's a lot of big commitment. But I think that it's really good because uh, here's the storm matches, really short. They're 20 to 25 minutes long on the average, unlike the 40 to an hour and a half long with League of Legends. So you're putting about the same kind of time commitment down, but you're able to diversify the amount of like statistics that you're able to put out there for how good you are as a player, how bad you are as a player, whatever. And so I think that's really good, because then you don't have to grind the first like 25 ranks if you're averagely good. So. And let me ask, if you are like a level 10 player, how many, how much grinding is going to... How much grinding is it going to take to get you there? Uh, like if you're a rank 10, uh, it's probably going to be uh, like a couple hundred games, depending on how often you lose. How... So 25 games is going to really prove your worth a lot faster. Yeah, prove your worth a lot faster than the you know, 200 that would take to actually get there. So that's it's going to be a really good time saver, and it's going to be get you to a place where you're actually able to play against people that are as good as you are and be able to get better even, even faster. Last up for Heroes of the Storm, we have Dynamic Bundles. So... Here's the Storm has classically had these bundles of heroes and skins that you had to buy, and you can buy 20 to 25 of them at the same time for 40 bucks or whatever. But if you already had a, a character in that bundle or a skin in that bundle, you still have to pay the same price. Now they're releasing the data, they're going to be refunding that cost, and if you have a character in the bundle, the cost will go down and you as that character gets removed. So you won't have to buy the same character or skin more than once, and I think that's great. I mean, League of Legends has been doing that for quite a while, and it's a great thing to adopt and save some people some money. Pitching. Exactly. More Blizzard news from Gamescom. World of Warcraft has announced their next expansion. It's going to be called Legion. And this comes less than a year after Warlords of Draenor was released last November. It's going to be going into beta later this year, and people are pretty piped. I mean, as you would be for a World of Warcraft expansion. The lead designer, Tom Shelton, said that there are even more expansions planned after the release of Legion, which is pretty impressive because World of Warcraft is currently experiencing a nine-year low of subscriptions. Right now they have about 5.6 million subscribers, which sounds like a lot, but considering World of Warcraft's massive popularity over the last since it came out, it's, uh, it's pretty darn low. So what I appreciate is that in spite of the low players' uh, counts, they're still trying really hard to create the best player experience. Shelton said, quote, Ultimately, what matters to us most is whether we believe we're creating the best possible game experience. Here's the thing, though. I'm not sure that they are doing exactly what the players are looking for. What the players are experiencing right now is that World of Warcraft is releasing a lot of quick expansions happening almost every year. But what the players are looking at is how the expansions aren't super substantive, or they have some glitches that they want fixed as the game is being delivered. So I'm worried then that if World of Warcraft continues having really speedy expansion releases, if the players are going to be getting exactly what they want out of that meaty, substantive experience per expansion. I'm wondering if players would rather have expansions released every few years that are super mind-blowingly great, rather than little bits of addition, little extra 10 or 20 levels on top of 
their already end game goals. Like how much gameplay are players really getting out of uh, each expansion if their goal is to level another another ten levels. Uh, they want they want some serious end game meat. So we're hoping that that happens in Legion and in further expansions. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. The player base, from what I've heard, is torn. Like people are constantly like, I want more expansions. I want more content for World of Warcraft. But they, the other the other side, which is like, I want the features that are actually there to be good. So like the new shipyards in World of Warcraft and the new garrisons that people are really excited about. Uh, people are saying those are really boring and that they just need more features to be flushed out and to be changed mechanically. You know, more dungeons, you know, things that they can run right now. And they, f they feel that Blizzard isn't really paying attention to the right now and they're too busy working on the next content. Like, as it is, they're working on Legion, which is almost done, apparently. And then they've already announced they're working on expansions past Legion before Legion even comes out. Like, that's ridiculous. And they coming out of this, like, yearly cycle, like, no one asked them to do this. Like, who, who wants... A new expansion. It must be 60 bucks every year for a new, like, chunk of, like, three hours to level. Like, it, it's ridiculous. And I think that it's really taking away from the game. That's why the, the subscriber numbers keep you know, going up and down constantly. Just this radical movement. Like, Rose Render came out, and they had more subscribers than they've ever had. And then, like, three months later, they it tanks to the lowest number they've ever had. Like, that, that seems to me that they're not, like, putting, like, a, a life into this game. They're just putting out content, getting subscribers, dropping it, putting out new content, and there's this endless cycle of just crappy content. Eventually the game's gonna go, by, go down. And, I mean, that's, that might be a good thing. It's a 10-year-old game, almost 11 now. So maybe they need to come up with a new game. But until then, I think that they really should just focus on the content they have now and making it good and listening to their character, player, player base. I'm thinking it's like it's a good idea for a game and a company that's developed as a little Warcraft and Blizzard to have a long, far-reaching vision. Like, yes, ten years down the road we want to have another five expansions or whatever. But it's also worth noting that we have to focus on the here and now and what people are looking for right now rather than what people are going to be looking for in ten years. Yeah. So uh, I think our call to action to Blizzard is balance between the present and the future. Yeah. Support people people have already paid for. People already paid for it. They want to be good. Who cares what they're going to buy next? It's They've already paid for it, and they should have a good experience with it. Last of the news today, we have Journey of the Light, any game developed by Lord Cress and released on Steam on, in May. This was billed as one of the hardest puzzle games on Steam, and turned out to be that that was true. It was the hardest puzzle game on Steam. As the game community started coming around saying, oh, how do we beat this game? We can't even get past the first level, and everyone was trying to get together. They even asked the developer for help like, a couple months later, saying, how do we do this? And he said... The key to this game is in the Steam trading cards. Now, the caveat to that is the trading cards are only released after two hours of gameplay. So you're no longer able to get that unconditional refund from the game after two hours of gameplay. So Steam has a policy of returns and refunds. If you play more than two hours or you have the game more than two weeks, you can't get the refund. Yeah, yeah, and there's no questions asked. They released this, like, what, three months ago, two months ago? May. Yeah, in May. Well, not the game, but that system itself. Ah. Um, but yeah, and so with the developer saying that, the players got really confused and say, well, do we really have to play this game for two hours and not have to not worry about us getting past the first level if, if we can't even do it now? So people dug into the code of the game, the actual meat, and see, what, how does this game work? How do I get beat it? And they found that there are no levels after level one. There are achievements for level eight, two through nine. There are the ability of feasibly to get there, but there's no code for games levels two through nine. And that's really 
really bad. It's sketchy. It is sketchy Ske- AF. Yeah, that so is, you can you can't physically get past level one. And the developer says, no, you need to play this game for two hours to get past level one. Saying, like, buy my game and then give me money and then you can't get a refund. And I give you a really poor quality game. Like, that seems legit. <laughs> right? So they called him a scammer. He, he said, like, I'm too sick to work on this. Blah, 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 blah. I made a bunch of excuses saying that I released a patch that broke everything. I was just fixing bugs. And I, most of my game disappeared as a result of that patch. I mean, I mean, that's, I guess it's possible, unlikely, but possible. So uh, as of the response, Steam, unprecedentedly, uh, not unprecedentedly, but very rarely, uh, sweeps the garbage up from the doorstep and says, anyone can get a refund of this game, regardless of how long you've played it or how long you've had it, because this is sketch. Uh, people are, are saying that the developer himself was saying to Steam, hey, can you make this a thing for me? I really messed up here. Uh, but there's no evidence of that. So he could have been doing the right thing, could have been scamming, and now it's coming back to bite him. We don't know. So, yeah, it, it could be that it was either good guy Lord Crest saying, hey, Steam, please let people get refunds on this sketchy, weird game that I released. I messed up in development. Something happened, but I want to do right by everybody. Or it could just be Steam of their own accord being like, dude. <laughs> that's, that's not okay. Uh, no. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. There's yeah. nothing official being said right now. Um, I want to... I wanna, be idealistic and say that you know the developers coming through uh we'll let you know if we learn anything new absolutely and it does really come to say that steam is a dangerous platform you don't own the games you're releasing the games that you buy off steam so it it's dangerous you can have scams like this people can do that it's possible green light isn't the perfect system just to note, if you think that you are the smartest person in the world and you can solve the puzzle, that's too bad the game has been removed from the steam store you can't buy it uh sorry yeah, well, but there are a lot of really hard puzzle games for your smart brain to figure out. So yeah, there's lots of other games on Steam. But Steam. Other, other fish in the Steam. Um, <laughs> so you might have to. They might come back. The, the, the developer saying is still working on the levels. Whether it's putting levels back in the game or developing them in the first place, we don't know. But it might come back and be able to buy it. And then we might have the hardest puzzle game on Steam that's actually legit. Yay! Yay! So we'll keep tuned. We'll be able to put you in on the know on that one. Now, as always, at the end of the show, we want to hear your opinion on the week's gaming news. Last week, we asked you, how do you feel about Halo 5 not having split-screen co-op in the upcoming game? Are you okay with it? Are you upset because it's how you like to play with your friends? Here's your response. I have very fond memories of playing with my brother on Halo 1 uh, split-screen, so I think it's a really big loss that uh, split-screen is no longer going to be an option for people. Thank you so much for your response, Shane. Now, let me ask you about your question this week. So the Heroes of the Storm crew said the influx of maps, the huge number of maps, the nine maps that are happening in Heroes of the Storm makes it a really difficult game to get into. There's this massive barrier for entry. But my question is, is that the main barrier of entry for Heroes of the Storm, or is it something else that's more universal than MOBAs? Could it be that there are a lot of players uh, who aren't super nice on MOBAs a lot of times, or is it that there are tons and tons of characters that you need to learn to play in order to be good at a MOBA? Like, you can't main a character. Like, I tried playing League of Legends and tried maining Soraka, and like, that's not a play to, to make in League. You have to learn a lot of different characters. Or is it perhaps that the items that you have to purchase are, are very confusing and it's hard to get a build, builds are too complicated? Is it the maps that might be the barrier to entry in uh, Heroes of the Storm, or is it maybe another factor that's more universal than MOBAs? In other words, what makes a MOBA hard to get into? 
I think if you have tried to play the MOBA and failed, or if you are an active MOBA player, you can answer this. So let us know by emailing us at thesweetrollpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you have to say. All right, thanks for watching, everyone, and happy gaming. The Sweet Roll Podcast is hosted, directed, and produced by Jody DeVaz and Kenny Wallace. Music is by the immaculate Will Siebel. You can check out our videos on YouTube, stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter, and watch us stream games for review on Twitch most evenings.